The Money Show. Small business. Pablo Fatidis from Auric Business Accelerator. And uh, tonight, Pablo, talking about it's an age-old bugbear, I suppose, for so many people in their own enterprises, in their own businesses, that, you know, they are the epicenter of everything. They are the alpha. They are the omega. They are uh, the center pivot of the organization. And my goodness gracious me, don't they let you know it. Um, so when it comes to their involvement or your own involvement in your organization, if you choose to run it like that, talk to me, take me through about... Yeah, the insistence of the founder being at the epicenter of everything. Well, you know, Bruce, it, th- there was a, a situation this week where I was speaking to a business owner who I met for the first time. Uh, smart, um, uh, very capable, uh, deeply knowledgeable about the industry. He had been in his industry now for, um, so he is, he is uh, 58, 59, and he was born and bred in his industry. So his entire career has been in this industry. He has extensive relationships. He understands the nuances of the environment. Uh, he had started this particular business, the one that he's currently in, 19 years back, almost 20 years back. He'd built it up from literally nothing other than his track record where he was formerly employed, the relationships he had nurtured for years and years and years within the industry itself. And he built it up to a, a sizable business where he was employing 53, 54 odd people. Uh, he was doing just off 90 million rands of revenue annually, which at the time, uh, this is four years back, at the time uh, would have valued the business uh, at around 60 to 70 odd million rands. So that would have been the, the takeout, the, uh, the, should he have sold his business at that time? So 60, 70 million odd rands. And my conversation evolved and I learned that he now has 11 employees and the business in his view is going to become a hobby to keep him busy as he muddles on towards retirement. And it it was heartbreaking. I, I, I found it absolutely devastating that in four years, you can take a business worth 60, 70 million rand to maybe a dollar or two with the debt that might still be in it. And what happened to him is happening right around the environments I'm working in. And and I mean this across South Africa, the US, the UK, Europe. Um, There are a couple of clients that I work with in Singapore and Hong Kong, the same thing's happening there. What happened to him is what we saw when COVID first arrived. Do you remember, Bruce, the people who went rushing to the big supermarkets buying toilet paper, but yeah. in hordes of it. And, and what happens is the uncertainty in our environment. This conversation you just had with Wayne serves to amplify it further for so many people. The uncertainty, the uncertainty as to whether it be COVID and the lingering effects of COVID, whether it be the war in Ukraine, and the rising inflation and the disruption in the supply chains, whether it be political uncertainty or whatever the case may be, what happens to us as human beings when we face danger, when we face uncertainty, when we become fearful of boldly going forth into an environment, we we tend to resort back to what we know. We tend to try and draw on our strengths in order to leverage that 
to cope with all this uncertainty and fear. And every single business owner, not every single business, most business owners out there are in businesses that at some point in time drew deeply on their technical ability and natural aptitude. So the carpenter who makes wooden tables will go back into working with wood and doing designs. The actuary who created an insured product will go and tinker and tamper with the product to optimize its performance and go into the maths of it. We move ourselves from the bridge of the ship where as leaders of our businesses, we ought to be navigating the direction of the business in the storm back down into the engine room because A, it gives us a sense of purpose. It gives us a sense of confidence that we are tackling this uncertainty and it creates, it erodes, it, it creates massive erosion in the business. His story is telling because mm. I'm, honestly, in the last two weeks, I've had about six of these conversations here. Isn't it amazing, Pablo? I mean, you always talk to us about setting your business up for sale. And if you're not setting it up for sale, you're setting it up for failure. And tragically, you're doing this. And then you also you're running in an environment in which you've created a hobby for yourself. You're not going to get career-minded people into your organization who want to help you grow and have a sense of exuberance and excitement. They get to take on your E or approach to life, um, and they are going. It's just going to be um, as much fun as I don't know having a birthday party at the local mortuary. Um, it's just it's it's you know when you work in an organisation like that and it is dying around you, the smart guys get out quickly and they get out soon, yeah. and you you you're left with people who. Well, uh, of a similar mindset to you. They're turning up, they're doing the bare minimum, and they're leaving, going home, and hoping for a paycheck at the end of the month. Completely. I mean, you know, the best people jump ship. So, so look, I managed to... This this was about a four or five-hour conversation I had with this this particular business owner. And, Bruce, it was, it was interesting to see how it all happened because it wasn't apparent to him as to what had happened and how when he suddenly lifted his head again, there was nothing left of his business. And what happened was this. He said to me, you know, Pavlo, I got worn down by the constant uncertainty and that constant apprehension. And so at the time, he would have been about 56, 55, 56, 57. He said, after 19 years, I'm sitting with my retirement just on the other side of two, three years, where I would have walked out with 60 or 70 odd million rands, it would have monetized all the risk and investment I had put into the business over the last 20 odd years. And the, the persistent uncertainty and the pressures and the demands on me created a seed of fear, a seed of apprehension. And that's when I had to go back into the engine room of my ship, the, the kitchen, not the front of the restaurant. I started to go and tamper with um, our, our operational processes, our engagements with customers, our engagements with suppliers. And I found myself getting more and more and more involved with my team at an operational level instead of at a strategic level. And it, it led to uh, this terrible process of me micromanaging. And I could not help myself at the time. 
Because if I wasn't doing something patently obvious and physical, he said, I felt concerned that I wasn't doing the right thing in the midst of this crisis. And I said to him, what did it do to the team? And he said, you know, all of a sudden when I started to interfere, people started to be more and more apprehensive about my presence in their day-to-day operations, their day-to-day functions. They became tentative. As they became tentative, I became more (laughs) aggravated and irritated. As I became more aggravated and irritated, (laughs) they became more tentative. The environment of trust. And it created this spiraling, toxic environment. And this was a business whose assets were the people. From 53 people to 11, they jumped ship. And everybody has capitulated. Is there any way back from this, Pablo? I mean, clearly, this person has come to you maybe in the hope of an intervention of some kind, maybe a miracle of some kind. Is there a way to pull it back when it has gone this far down the tubes? Well, you know, it's... it's look, it, it varies from place to place. You know, the wonderful thing about South Africa, Bruce, is in a weird kind of way, Everything that Wayne said to you in the interview just before this segment, for those reasons alone, in South Africa, out of sheer necessity, you have no other choice. It's interesting because in the UK, where there's a deep, deep social net, mostly people resign to this new reality and don't find the opportunity to dig deeper within themselves. In South Africa, should you do that, the likelihood of you moving into a world of relative poverty is pretty high. So firstly, understand that you don't have a choice but to actually claw back what you had. The way to then go about it is to understand why a business survives and thrives. It doesn't survive and thrive because of a product. And I had such an interesting debate with another business owner today who's in the engineering uh, world, the world of winches, of everything, you know, amongst everything else. And we were talking about the specific designs that he has in his winches. And he has a remarkable, remarkable collection of winches, all his own designs, years and years and years of testing and the making in the toughest environments globally, which is the mining industry of South Africa. And there was a tremendous amount of pride around the winches. But here's the thing. Anyone competing with him, out of necessity, has to build as good a winch, as capable a winch, as reliable a winch. So then why does a business exist? It doesn't exist because you've got a great product. There are many people out there with great products. And if we remind ourselves why we exist and why we can survive and why we thrive, It's because we solve a problem for a well-defined group of people, and hopefully we do so through creating a great experience for them. That is the essence of what a business is. It's the starting point to claw back a business. Get get out of that engine room. Get out of your operations. Stop tinkering with your product or tinkering with your service, and go and find a customer and ask them what they need you to do in order for them to support you again and to support you reliably and consistently going forward. 
the trouble is when you have had a retirement sort of mindset, if you were 56 and thinking in three years' time I retire with 60 million, you're now sitting three years later at 59. Um, you are sitting looking at this going, all right, I'll keep it going as long as possible and uh, you know, I'll fleece the petty cash from time to time or something to keep going. Um, you have to have a fundamental shift in mindset. You've got to realize that you're in this probably for the next five years at least in order to get it back to a level where it becomes a saleable asset of, you know, maybe not 60 million again, but maybe you get it to 20 or 30. And that's going to require not only enormous time and energy, but it's going to require investment as well. And the value you thought you had in your life, of course, has been corroded by your own behavior over the past five years. So you're kind of stuck in this Real catch-22, do you go out and borrow to try and grow this thing? Do you trust yourself to be able to do it this time without messing it up and getting involved in the, in the minutiae of the business? Or do you just well, be honest about it and pack it in, Bondo? Well, you can't afford to pack it in. Many people can't afford to, Bruce. So, I, I mean, there are a couple of things you can do. You can either wallow in the pity party for another year and waste that time and burn that energy and erode your own self-confidence and sense of self-esteem even further, or you can just buck up and act. I don't think you're going to find funding from uh, any place, anywhere soon. You know, it's been really interesting. Um, most, uh, across many economies in the world, during the COVID period, uh, certainly what happened in, in the US, what happened in, in, in the UK, what happened across Europe, um, and I got real insight into this. The, the governments provided extensive relief, financial relief for businesses in comparison to what we had available to us over here and what was offered to us. We had this idea of some sort of relief fund, uh, which was really more publicity and talk and letters and words than any real action. Uh, because we, we, we know what the performance was, you know, the money was set aside, it was a guarantee loan fund, and, and the take-up, I think, was just under 10%. It really never went very far at all. But what happened in many of the banking environments is a lot of the credit, credit criteria were, were uh, re relieved, and, and businesses went in, tons of businesses went and got a beneficial loans, supported by governments, very low interest rates, very, very favorable terms, only to be paid back five years down the line. And what this did, what this did is it flushed the banks with SME loans, flushed them completely. And I mean, as you're aware, a, a, an SME loan is an expensive loan for a bank to carry. It has all sorts of prudential requirements and costs as a result of Basel and all these big things. And today, Bruce, to try and get a loan an SME loan from a bank as an SME yeah. is incredibly hard. I don't know where the funding's going to come from. In many instances, um, and in fact, that would make a very good show, we should talk about alternative forms of funding for when you have a strategy that you're going to follow to claw back your business. Should you need that funding, what are the ways of the hustle to get that funding on board? Because you're not going to get it through any formal institutions. Yeah with any ease today. Well, let's do that next week. I think that's a lovely idea. Pavlo Fatidis, thank you. The founder at Auric Business Accelerator. What a tragic story and many more like it as well. And yes, we can blame the business environment and you would have been better off had the environment been in your favor. 
But unfortunately for all of us, the environment is entirely unpredictable. The environment is something that we have to navigate each and every single day. The environment is our reality. Um, and you have to take the Bidvest approach to this thing. I've told you this story as well, the, the poster that sits in Bidvest um, facilities across the world. And that is Bidvest refuses to participate in the recession. And it's just a, a mindset shift. And it makes you stand out from your rivals. When your rivals are having a pity party, you're having a, a think about the growth and you are seizing opportunities for growth at a time where everybody else is shutting down and consolidating and panicking. Um, and yeah, it's about thinking differently about the future. And I think that'll be very helpful. Thank you, Pablo Fatidi's founder at Auric Business Accelerator.